Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. It's The Advertising Show, and it's being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com, The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production, and boy, oh boy, what a great show we have for you today. Robert Greenwald is our special guest, producer, director, and political activist. Uh, Robert is the director, producer of Walmart, the high cost of low price, interesting DVD, outfoxed, Rupert Murdoch's War on Journalism, in addition to his uh, documentary work. Uh, he's produced and or directed more than 50 television movies and miniseries for every major network. The man is a busy guy, Brad, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. So oh, yeah. we'll, we'll join up with Bob here in just a few minutes. We also have, uh, in just a few moments here, uh, let's see, Patrick Meyer, the Marketing Insider. And uh, Patrick has got this, this word that he really likes. The word is called now. It's really now. So it's the top ten now brands uh, that he'll uh, discuss in a couple of minutes. And, uh, geez, just a whole bunch of stuff coming the way. Uh, let me think here. Let me think. Uh, our wacky world of marketing. You know OnStar, Brad. Mm-hmm. What a great product it is. Right. Well, a little bit later on this half hour, there's a guy that accidentally pushed his OnStar button hmm. and called the police because he didn't respond. He had it turned down, and he got busted. <laughs> that's all I'll say. So that's real interesting. Big Brother is watching OnStar. That's funny. Later on uh, this half hour. Yeah. So, What's that, stuff. on the Wacky World of Marketing? It's a wacky world, yeah. Coming yeah. coming close to the bottom of the hour. Good Advertising is up, the Advertising Showcase. And that'll be our final, final feature this hour. So what do you got there? Well, I, I don't know if you knew this, but Michael Eisner, you remember Michael. Sure I do. Uh, former Disney uh, chief. He is going to be doing... Conversations with Michael Eisner on CNBC. Oh, yeah. They're going to say serious or something. Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting because I never really would have seen him doing a talk show. But in any event, uh, uh, others that have uh, apparently going to be guesting on his show will be Regis Philbin, Beth Midler, and Goldie Hawn. Hawn, CNBC has announced a debut. Has not announced, I should say, a debut date for the bi-monthly program, but is expected. The show will debut during the uh, second week of March. So that huh. would be next week, I guess. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. So. exactly. Unless you're listening to this in the third week of March, then it would have been last week. That's true. And depending on, yeah, it could actually be over by now the way, uh, <laughs> you know, media-centric talk show uh, hosts have not done well. You might recall uh, Topic A with Tina Brown. Nope. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. It, it bombed. and yeah. uh, Well, we'll just see. I, I, I just never would have seen this guy. I would have thought that he's got all the dough. He doesn't really need to be on uh, right. on TV. And uh, interesting, uh, a former guest on our show, mm-hmm. uh, Donnie Deutsch, has a book out right now. Oh, he does? Yeah, and I'm reading it. I'm almost done with it. And I must, it's an interesting read, I, I must mm-hmm. say. And, it's, and the, isn't the, he being sued over that book as well? I haven't heard that. But the title is... Uh, 
uh, often wrong, never in doubt, as I recall. His former partner is suing him. Really? Because of something said in that book. Well, I can I could see that because he doesn't uh, speak well about that. But on the other hand, well, I don't know. I'll leave that to the courts. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. don't don't get involved. <laughs> yeah, before you know it, I'm next the thing you know, yeah. you've got a subpoena, right. and a guy showing up at your door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the uh, portable people meter, mm-hmm. uh, Arbitron. Right. Uh, some controversy about that. Uh, Nielsen is declining to partner on the PPM service. And here in our home market of Houston, I think this is going to be interesting because this will be, I believe, the first time that it's going to replace the traditional Arbitron diary. Mm-hmm. And what they're going to do is they're going to sample a certain number of people and they're going to keep that core sample for two years. So, in other words, if if you know if Joe Bob got got a, a PPM uh, portable people meter, yeah, he will have that for two years. Really, isn't that interesting? That is interesting. And there's a little bit of controversy about that. That could that could either that could either harm or help certain radio stations. Have you heard the uh, number that will be sampled uh, in the base sample? I mean, is it a sizable number of people? No, I don't think it's a sizable number either. Yeah, I think it's small. Uh, so, anyway, we're going to get to uh, – th- that should be interesting and something to follow as well. We're going to make time for uh, Patrick Meyer here on The Advertising Show. Here he is. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about something that came out of a young DJ in London a couple years before we started our company. He said, it's just not with it. It's just not now. A brand has to be now. So my business partner and I took that idea, planted it back of our minds, and continue to listen for now as a proposition or as a desired trait in a brand. About a year ago, we did a CMO summit where the top brand CMOs talked about where were their brands, brand vitality, challenges, brand innovation, etc. We served up the idea of now, and they're all about, it's about now not trendy. It's about being now, being recommended by consumers to their friends. It's about being now and delivering today's benefits and setting up for tomorrow. It's about innovation now and tomorrow. And most importantly, it's about business performance now. Intrigued with that premise, we recently did a survey called the Now Not Now survey of top brands with people 18 to 35 across the U.S., The findings, I think you'll find of interest. The number one now brand, Google. Number two, Apple iPod. Number three, Target. Number four, Coca-Cola the brand. Number five, Tebow. Number six, eBay. Number seven, Starbucks. Number eight, Best Buy. Number nine, Sony. And number 10, Subway. These are brands that the consumers said they would recommend to friends that fit their lifestyle today or people like them. We also had a measure, which was brand momentum. Number one on momentum going up, iPod. Number two, Google. Number three, TiVo. Number four, eBay. Number five, Target. Also coming up quick, XM and Sirius Radio, Satellite Radio. My point, my friends, is that brands are dynamic. They have energy and they have momentum. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. And some interesting stuff from uh, Patrick Meyer here with Ray Shillins and uh, Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. We've got uh, Robert Greenwald on the way in just a few moments uh, for a couple of hours we've got him for mm-hmm. for today's interview. Walmart, the high cost of low price. There's been a lot of controversy about Walmart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that I share Robert's uh, views about Walmart, 
Uh, I know the people in Chicago certainly don't want Walmart. They they protest. Uh, although, didn't they finally accept a Walmart in that city, as I recall? In Chicago? In I'm Chicago? Not, I don't know. We'll have to ask Robert. Maybe he knows. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, anyway, but that's, uh, that's what we've got. Uh, he's got some other videos as well that they produced there. Hmm. Uh, I like the fact that he's uh, using his capabilities to, uh, to you know, affect some change, you know, raise some questions. So it'll be interesting to talk with him. I've heard that uh, the people at Walmart refer to him as Bob. Do they really? Mm-hmm. Just, they just to piss him off. They call him Bobby Greenwald. Bobby. <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We have Robert on in just a minute yeah. uh, or so after this break, as a matter of fact. Isn't that timely? Uh, and a lot more to come, too, with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show, where you can go to theadvertisingshow.com. It's a good possibility that you're there right now. We appreciate that. Check out the website and listen to some of the archive interviews via podcast or RSS feeds. It's a, it's a great deal. So back in just a moment with a whole bunch more on the Advertising Show. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. I love Bosco. It's rich in chocolate tea. Chocolate-flavored Bosco is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bosco gives me iron. On The Advertising Show, Ray Shillins, Brad Forsyth, and our special guest segment is with a very special guest. Robert Greenwald is a producer, director, and political activist. Greenwald is the director, producer of Walmart, the high cost of low price, and outfoxed Rupert Murdoch's war on journalism. In addition to uh, Robert's documentary work, uh, he has produced and directed more than 50 television movies and miniseries for every major network and cable company. Uh, Greenwald's films have garnered 25 Emmy nominations, four Cable Ace Award nominations, two Golden Globe, the Peabody, just to name a few. He was awarded the uh, 2002 Producer of the Year Award by the American Film Institute, and Robert is also the president of Brave New Films. That's bravenewfilms.org. It's a new media company dedicated to uh, making cutting-edge films about uh, the most uh, relevant subjects of our time. It's a great website, Robert. Welcome to the Advertising Show. Great to have you here. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Are we to assume, Robert, you can't get your uh, DVD in Walmart? You know, I've asked them to sell it there. And in honor of Sam Walton, who always would do anything to make a buck, I said I would even come and sign copies in the store. Mm Mm-hmm. But so far, they're uh, censoring, which is unusual, given that they're supposed to be a retailer, not a political outfit. Hmm. Well, you know, we had a uh, a guest on several weeks ago, and we'll get back to her in a minute, but she was a uh, uh, president and CEO of uh, Edelman, who is the public relations firm for Walmart, and we'll chat about that in a second. I want to stay with uh, Ray. Oh, I wish you'd had me on with her. That would have been fun. Yeah, well, you know, Joe Pine's dead now. Okay. Uh, we do a little different shtick here. But, no, you'll find it interesting. If you want to go to the, the com, Robert, you can pick up a, a, and listen to that particular interview and all the interviews, including your own interview after the show. Uh, you know, I was uh, curious. Ray and I were, were discussing the last segment. Uh, did Chicago ever end up with a Walmart, Robert, do you know? 
Uh, they did. They had one. Um, That's what I thought. They defeated yeah. one, and the one came in. You know, I think a lot of people would be surprised that maybe haven't seen your film to learn how many communities have actually been successful in keeping Walmart out, because you don't hear a lot about that unless you live in the small community that was successful in doing so. Oh, yeah. Do, yeah. You, ha- do you have a number on that, Robert? Well, it's a sh- it's a moving target, but I think Al Norman, who runs who has a site called Sprawlbusters dot com, which is who's been doing this incredible work for about ten years, I think he says that it's now north of two hundred and growing rapidly. Hmm. I think most people. I, I know you, you, your film uh, shows the various small communities that were successful in uh, defeating Walmart, and I think that number would surprise many. Uh, you know, as Ray read in your your bio, you've had a series of films over the past few years, including Outfoxed, as well as. And by the way, Outfoxed is a uh, a book by a frequent guest here on the show, Alex Ben Block of Television Week, and uh, no no uh, relation, of course. I was going to say, you. is there is there a connection there, or no? I guess not. No, there yeah. is not. Other than a lawsuit, and we'll get back to that later. <laughs> no, uh, but uh, didn't have a chance to see that film, but certainly highly recommend Walmart, the, uh, the high pr- uh, cost of uh, low price. And by the way, walmartmovie.com is a, a place where you can see uh, information on that. Focusing uh, primarily on uh, some of your other films, on the Bush administra- administration, threat of civil liberties, as well as the war in Iraq. I'm curious, with uh, kind of a political slant there to previous films, why did you decide to choose on focusing on a corporation such as Walmart? Well, um, I found that Walmart affects so many different areas of our life, um, from our, the healthcare system to minimum wage to our taxes to the environment to sweatshops. And so I was uh, fascinated by the personal stories and troubled by the personal stories I was hearing. And as I got into the research and discovered that they had made $10 billion in profit, last year, but still were not uh, paying, basically provide, not providing health care for their, most of their employees, um, found out that the Walton family was worth $100 billion, which I had no idea about. I thought it was a typo when mm. I first read it. Mm. Um, it seemed to me material that lent itself to a human story, a personal story, a, a dramatic story, and also to help people through film uh, understand what was going on. And did, did Walmart give you access to various... Uh, uh, I know you certainly interviewed uh, previous employees that had a lot of things to say about Walmart. I think many would be surprised to hear, uh, and others would not. But uh, did they give you access to uh, other executives within the uh, organization when you were shooting your film? Uh, no. no. Walmart did not give me uh, any access or any help whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So any uh, and no hesitation on your part taking on a big company like Walmart? Uh, no, it's my job. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, distribution of your documentary. I, I would imagine that uh, documentaries are faced with a great challenge when it comes to uh, getting, getting the uh, uh, distribution. Um, and, of course, with your Hollywood background, I would think that maybe you could have tapped some uh, previous relationships to maybe get a little better... Uh, distribution than your run-of-the-mill documentary. Did you do that? Uh, no. no? Um, uh, the basically with these all of the documentaries, what I've been doing is alternative distribution, and I've been using a combination of <clears throat> grassroots groups around the country, the internet for individual sales, and high-profile screenings for opinion makers, mm-hmm. and of been able, fortunately, to create a system that um, now 
puts all those elements together and allows me to get the movies out, to get them out in a timely fashion, and to not have any problems around uh, censorship or needing to change the films. Any VOD? Yes, that too. Yeah. Uh, and pay-per-view too. Yeah. Who are your relationships with VOD and pay-per-view? Well, I think we're still negotiating on the Walmart film, but I believe um, who did somebody did Uncovered, which was the first one. Mm-hmm. I want to say Comcast or Echo Star. I'm not sure which one. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I'm, I saw in some research, and I had some notes here about an organization called Link TV and mm-hmm. uh, Direct TV. You have relationships with them on Walmart TV? Uh, let's your... see. I had relationships with Link on uh, two TV series I produced, one mm-hmm. for, about the ACLU and the other about the Sierra Club. Hmm. Why do you think Walmart gets the blame for taking over the mom-and-pop general store? I mean, you know, have they forgotten about Kmart and JCPenney and as far back as Sears? Uh, no. Um, Walmart gets the blame because they're to blame. Um, the, you know, both if you look around and use, you know, you just watch what's happening in communities, uh, if you talk to people, and then if you look at the objective empirical data, it's pretty clear now, remember, Walmart's of a different size. You know, they're at 3,800 and planning to introduce 300 new stores next year. That's mm-hmm. extraordinarily bigger than any of the others, just in terms of number of stores. And then the square footage of Walmart is so large, which means that they have more departments within their store that are going to drive out the florist, the bike shop. Uh, I just read they're now wanting to sell musical instruments, clothes, groceries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you combine that with their... Uh, extraordinarily aggressive pursuit of subsidy so that they are getting an advantage that the small mom-and-pop or family-owned business doesn't get. And you have uh, a fairly unique set of circumstances that has taken the, the destruction of Main Street America uh, to a new height. Subsidies in the form of what? Tax breaks? Two kinds of subsidies. And again, they're bear in mind how aggressive they are. One is, and you're reading about every day in the newspaper now, the number of employees at Walmart who every taxpayer is paying for the health care for their employees at Walmart because Walmart won't pay for their health care. And again, at levels and numbers unparalleled. And then this, as we show in the film and one of the stories, and by the way, I should say, if people want to see the film, they could go to walmartmovie.com and order it. Um, and, and, And you see in the movie where the communities... Um, will give Walmart a subsidy, whether it be a tax break or pay for a road or give them a piece of real estate, something that gets them to come to the community and the mom-and-pop family business doesn't have that same break. We're going to uh, take a break here, Robert, on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, Robert Greenwald, producer, director, and political activist, talking uh, here uh, this hour about Walmart, the high cost of low price. What do you think about that? What do you think about OnStar? <laughs> well, you'll find an interesting story that's coming up next here on the Advertising Show. Stay with us. And now it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our Wacky Update heads to St. Augustine, Florida, where you won't hear this on any OnStar commercial. 
AP reports always there, always ready. Well, yeah, but for one Florida man, the GM vehicle communication system was a little too ready. Ralph Gomez was busted after showing off the OnStar system in his Cadillac Escalade. According to authorities, Gomez had the volume turned down so he couldn't hear the OnStar operator. When there was no response, OnStar contacted police. Tom Clements, a spokesman for the St. Augustine Police Department, says when officers got to Gomez, they could see there wasn't a problem, but Clements says officers clearly saw cocaine visible on the SUV's center console. Gomez was jailed on $15,000 bond. Oh, and his Escalade, it was seized. And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Men, beware. Use one dab of Brill Cream. Just a little dab makes your hair look excitingly clean, disturbingly healthy. This man dared to use two dabs. Now he's in trouble. We refuse to be responsible. It's the advertising show, Ray Shillings. We're giving uh, Robert a free tube of Brill Cream today with this part of our... Uh, no, I'm not actually doing that. Imagine that, calling a public service announcement uh, a commercial. Yeah. That, would, that would not confuse people. Hmm. Robert Greenwald, the uh, the movie is Walmart, the high cost of low price. It is a pleasure to have you here on the advertising show. And where are we talking to you? Where are you at in the country this uh, this weekend? Physically or morally? No, I'm both. <laughs> I'm in Los Angeles, California. Very good. All right. And that's home base for you, Robert? It is. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking about Walmart and, and how they were, and maybe deservingly so, getting the blame for, you know, knocking out mom-and-pop general stores uh, throughout America. I find it ironic, don't you, Robert, that uh, Walmart ends up being, in many cases, the major employer for the communities that they go into? and. Uh, sad, yes, yeah. uh, definitely. Yeah, and you know, you you mentioned that they're the the big uh, the big player, obviously, in that category. So why has Costco uh, not received any negative uh, press as as Walmart has? Well, Costco uh, has very different policies. You know, Costco makes it a point to try to pay their employees well. I mean, Walmart has the audacity to say that if you're a family person uh, or you're supporting your family, you shouldn't be working at Walmart, which, uh, you know, I find, uh, frankly, obscene. Um, Costco uh, prides itself. They may not be, I mean, they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect except my wife. Um, (laughs) But um, they pride themselves in trying to provide a decent wage and trying to provide health care and having employees stay there for a long period of time. You know, Walmart's own internal memo talks about trying to drive employees out because the longer they stay, the more they have to pay them. So it's a very, very different way that they treat the employees. And I believe also, although I haven't done as much research on this, the way that Costco treats the community versus the way Walmart does. I think it's uh, well known that Walmart certainly has dramatically changed the balance of power when it comes to how business is conducted. They've uh, changed the relationships where the retailer now is more powerful than the manufacturers. But this is uh, a bit of an unfair advantage, wouldn't you you think, relative to some of their smaller competitors? Because they really can dictate uh, the terms from the manufacturers. Yes, well, they can and they do. And, I mean, that's the thing that's, that's ironic because they're busy crying victim 
when they have this extraordinary power. There's a very, very good new book by Charles Fishman called The Walmart Effect, mm -hmm. a business writer. And he makes the point, a really good one, that Walmart's most significant impact may not even be on the employees or on the community or on the family businesses. It's the number of other businesses that buy from Walmart, which is, you know, the number of, I think it's in its extraordinary high, and thousands and thousands of employees are significantly affected in that way in terms of who they buy from, when they buy, what they're willing to pay, how much they're willing to squeeze them, how many jobs they drive overseas. And that's, of course, a more complicated issue to look at, but a really important one. Well, you mentioned uh, Charles Fishman's book, The Walmart Effect. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, he claims in his book that uh, uh, Sam Walton had one central insight about Americans that, will, that uh, he felt will change our behavior, and that is to save a little money. Do you agree with that? Well, I think it certainly was an important insight. I think what's happened now, and it's hard to judge this because you have Walmart, for example, spending $3 million every day not to sell a specific product, and interesting for your show, but to sell a lifestyle, to sell the notion that you will feel better by buying something, that you will feel better because Walmart was put on the face of the earth. Um, so, you know, it's a different environment now uh, where people are affected by that, affected by those messages. So I don't know anymore whether it's Sam Walton's instinct, basic character, or this essential extraordinary bill of goods that we all have been sold, which is uh, buy now, feel better, pay later. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think the American consumer values cheap merchandise over good factory jobs? I mean, are they willing to, uh, you think, pay a little, bit of, a little bit more in order to uh, save the American, uh, you know, the American workforce? Well, I think the truth is that I don't know because I, you know, I hate, I hesitate. I was very careful in the Walmart movie to only go with what I really knew and what I could prove. Mm -hmm. um, what I think, you know, is very clear is that people have not been given that choice. You don't walk into Walmart and are given a choice, pay five cents more and help keep jobs. Or on the $3 million of the day that they spend, they don't say, you know, help let us decide whether you want part of Walmart's um, legacy, part of Walmart's power mm -hmm. to be used to keep jobs and therefore pay a, few, a nickel more on an item. And therefore, we, it's, very, it's virtually impossible to make that judgment. You know, we've had a lot of guests on the show, we have less than a minute left here, that uh, have said that you cannot sustain a low-price uh, strategy, but yet Walmart has suggested otherwise, don't you think? Well, you know, I call it a suicide economy, and mm -hmm. I think over time, you know, their stock is in the toilet. They've been badly hurt there for years and years. Their stock hasn't done, has been really weak. So I think we're going to see, and I think the next couple of years are going to be very, very significant, and I'm not sure they will be able to. And again, as you know, they've made announcements themselves. They're trying to go for an upscale uh, Consumer. Well, sure. The newest uh, commercials are, are set that way as well. Yep. Right. Very, very unlike the little uh, smiley-faced guy uh, around uh, that bounces around and knocks prices down. It's totally right. different. Absolutely, totally different. BraveNewFilms.org is the uh, website. And uh, as Robert mentioned, you can also go to WalmartMovie.com if you want to check out and purchase of the DVD. There it is right there. Yes. With a smiley little face on the cover. Well, the, uh, the eyebrows. Uh, <laughs> the eyebrows. Uh, Robert Greenwald, our special guest, and uh, good news is we've got him for next hour as well, so stay with us here on The Advertising Show.
make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. When cold is bad, it's getting down, yeah, call on, call on, why not? Relief is back, it's all around, so call on, call on, why not? It's the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and that's something you used to see in uh, the Soda Jerk uh, had one of those things, Bromo Quinine machines, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. A long time ago. You remember yeah. that, too. That's good. Right. We are, uh, we'll continue our conversation with Robert Greenwald next hour here on the Advertising Show. Still to come, we've got uh, the Advertising Showcase, and that'll be in just a few minutes from here. It's a good reason to stay tuned to the advertisingshow.com. Right. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, uh, this is from the American Advertising Federation. Actually, it's from uh, the New York Times. Uh, soaps tap the web to lure new viewers. Now, I don't watch the soap opera stuff. Never no. really got me. Obviously, I'm not the right demo. Uh, ratings are in sharp decline. I did not know that. Uh, daytime soap opera is using a two-pronged strategy of promoting viewer loyalty, and tapping the web to rebuild their audiences among the new initiatives, P&G's Daytime Dollars, Watch and Win, the online rewards program for the show's guiding light and as the world turns, and the NBC's launch of Passions Vendetta website, sponsored by the uh, uh, Garnier people and Maybelline New York brands, uh, and a line of Passions-inspired clothing available only on the Internet. So at least they're recognizing this. It may be a day late and a dollar short, but mm-hmm. they're still trying to get out there. Well, it's, yeah, that's kind of, it's interesting. Uh, you know, uh, what was it? I was home the other day during the day, and I saw a program. Oh, I know it was. It was uh, Ellen. She does a really good job on the on her talk show. I mean, yeah. y- you know, as we've said uh, many weeks ago, I believe, Ray, a few months ago, we were talking about uh, Roseanne. I'm, I'm not Roseanne, but uh, Rosie. Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell. Right, right. And how she's, uh, you know, been a little bit out there on her sexuality and, you know, to each their own. Just but a little bit, yeah. To each their own. But why you don't have to, you know, uh, I guess you can wear it out front if you want. But I think there's a risk to doing that if you're a, a public uh, figure. But yet uh, everyone knows Ellen mm-hmm. and her sexual preference. But right. yet, uh, when you watch that program, you don't really, uh, you know, your mind doesn't go there. She's just really no, natural. No, she's a good she's TV a natural. host. Yeah, exactly. she is. I agree. She does a great job. And, uh, you know, this weekend, today, Sunday, uh, we are looking at Oscar, Oscar time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got the TiVo set. Uh, my wife requires that. Okay. and Because uh, we're not going to be home. But uh, State Farm will be one of uh, several advertisers. Uh, they'll be running three spots during the broadcast. Certainly one of the last appointment uh, appointment television uh, programs out there. And by the way, the Oscars have been uh, uh, averaging uh, over 40 million viewers, dipped only once, uh, 87, mm-hmm. uh, 1987. That's a great show. Or since 1987, they've only dipped once, I should say, and that was in 2003 where they dipped to 33 million. But on average, Averaging 40 million viewers, and uh, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, AT&T, American Express, all paying up to $1.6 million for a 30-second spot during the show. And uh, the price is up from $1.5 million last year. So, eh, interesting. And we make such a big fuss about the Super Bowl and the cost of ads there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just a million shy. <laughs> of the Super Bowl for spots. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is. And, of course, you've got less audience. But yet, uh, you know, the question would become, uh, 
on the one hand, they say that they're paying more attention during the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. yet, you know, think about the Super Bowl environment. It's usually a lot of drinking and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of social around True. that event. True. Whereas I think the Oscars tend to be more of a family viewing, limited number of people. More so of a watched event too. That's what I'm thinking, and yeah. uh, and not uh, and people I think are paying more attention. And will probably retain a, uh, a, a spot uh, longer than they would during the Super Bowl because there's such right. a volume of Thank advertising right. taking place during the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, spring break is almost here, depending upon where you go to school or don't do or your kids go to school. Uh, yeah. Uh, spring break, <laughs> you know, it used to be in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And uh, they took it away from there. Mexico? Actually, Fort Lauderdale says, uh, we don't want you. That's your phone. Oh, it is? It is your phone, yes. Well, at least I have it on vibrate. Yeah, it's going about to vibrate off the uh, console. Yeah. That'll be fine. Uh, but uh, some advertisers' dollars are moving off the beaches and into the nearby hotels where the college students stay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can put their messages and logos on everything, card keys, shower curtains, <laughs> in the bathrooms, pillows on the beds. What a great idea. Yeah. Uh, hotel programs targeting uh, college kids designed to complement existing branding and promotions, which is logical. Uh, that take place on the beaches by day and the clubs by night. Yeah. So, uh, interesting. Well, if I had my choice and I was marketing, uh, marketing to the students, I think the hotel would be my last choice because chances are when they're there, they're inebriated, they're getting cleaned up, they're getting ready to leave to go out, and then when they're there, their eyes are closed most of the time. So, I see. Wouldn't you think? Well, that... That uh, suggests that maybe it's a specialty advertising. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> how to clean your clothes, how to feel better, and how to wake up, you yeah. see. So maybe we can put the advertisements on the inside of their eyelids or something. Yeah. Uh, back with more, it's uh, The Advertising Show. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Today's your brute day. Today you've got a run and start. You're a man who feels the part. It's your lucky brute day today. Get your day off to a running start with brute well, they sell and brute at uh, Walmart. It gives you the kind of <laughs> probably you need in the 55-gallon sure size at Sam's. Uh, right? <laughs> Sam's Wholesale, yeah. Sam's Wholesale, right. Yeah. It's the Advertising Show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, theadvertisingshow.com, a great destination. Anytime uh, you can listen to this show as a podcast or an RSS feed, and it's just a really cool way to uh, to find out what's happening in advertising and marketing globally. We'll continue our conversation next hour with Robert Greenwald, who has uh, produced the, the film Walmart, The High Cost of Low Price. And uh, right now... Gee, I guess that would be a bad advertising segment if Robert were to do that. But we're doing a, we're doing an adver- advertising showcase right now, and here we go. And now it's time for the advertising show's advertising showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising for the good stuff. Here's Ray and Brad. So, what are you looking at this week? Well, you know, uh, we've all heard and talked about uh, frequently here on the show about certain media that's doing better than others, and it's all sure. about technology and gravitating to the uh, to both uh, the Internet as well as being able to control the flow of media and doing it according to the consumer's time frame and, mm-hmm. and desires as opposed to the media pushing it out. And uh, we, we've also seen occasionally media companies trying to use their own medium to uh, – 
reach out to advertising people and decision makers and just consumers in general to say, hey, please like me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a dying medium, and that's always rather lame from a lot of what I see out there. Right, yeah. And we've talked about this. But I have an example, Ray, of what I consider a really good idea, and it comes from the Magazine Publishers Association, and it's a new campaign that just broke in late February. And basically the idea here is that they're using actual brands, in this case, such as Infinity and Altoids, to debut launch uh, to debut the launch. And the copy uh, that accompanies this uh, basically tells the, uh, the reader that readers of magazines are so engaged that they're willing to tear the page out and act on advertising. And as a result, you see these two ads I have here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it is uh, signifies the actual tearing of an ad, and we've all had magazines that we've seen in waiting rooms and elsewhere where they're missing pages. Yeah, sure. and so in this case, you can still see part of the ad of both Infinity and Altoids, and then the copy. What could cost? What could possibly have caused that? What would inspire a person to rip a page from a magazine? Maybe some of this is just the latest installment of their favorite brand's ongoing campaign, add that to your share and somebody, and doesn't that mean it makes a lot of sense? And then it, hmm. the tagline reads, uh, magazines, ideas that live beyond the page. Okay. And I think in both of these cases, it really takes the idea of why someone might want to advertise in a pub. I got to tell you, we all know this, Ray. Magazines mm-hmm. are struggling right now. And if you thought as an advertiser that your ad would actually be torn out of a publication and, and retained to be acted upon later, and I think we all can relate to that. Sure. We've done this before. Yeah. That, uh, that there's more, more value there than uh, maybe, I don't know, your major daily newspaper or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think they've come upon a really outstanding idea here from a couple of well-brand, well-known brand names that do a lot of magazine advertising. We're going to see ads also from – uh, not only Infinity and Altoids is being featured during the launch, but also American Express, CoverGirl, JCPenney, Lexus, Microsoft, and XM Satellite Radio. Okay. So uh, these will these ads will not only be running in the obvious, that being Advertising Age, Ad Week, Brand Week, and Media Week, and uh, but also online editions of uh, NewYorkTimes.com, WallStreetJournal.com, and uh, several others. So uh, be looking for those, and if you agree with uh, with with our take here, then maybe you will. Uh, I don't know. They buy a full page ad in a Possibly. magazine of Possibly. your choice and be able to narrow down reaching your audience. Uh, and that's what magazines are all about: being able to uh, reach out to a niche market based mm-hmm. on the content and the flavor of the publication. And also, if you're lucky enough, and if your ad's good enough. Maybe somebody will tear the ad out and do what they're suggesting people do with sure. magazines here in this campaign. Well, I think the Altoids ad is a bit of a stretch, but uh, I mean, I yeah, I well, don't recall desiring to tear out an Altoids. And how can you tell that's an Acura? On well, you can one? only in the it's Infinity actually. Oh, it's an Infinity. Okay, in the yeah. lo- lower left hand corner. Oh, I see. And you wouldn't know that unless you saw it. And by the way, let me give a plug here. Uh, Magazine Publishers of America, I should have said, instead of association. The campaign is entitled Beyond the Page Campaign, Mm -hmm. and the agency is Mullen, which is an interpublic agency, 
so hats off to Mullen uh, as well as the uh, MPA for coming up with a great idea. That is neat. It, it, it looks pretty cool, too. Yeah. I tear out magazine things uh, not for the advertisements but for something uh, useful. Uh, and you, <laughs> as you point out, I mean, Altoids, what are you going to do? You know where to get those. But they may have an idea here with Infinity because maybe there was a particular product that was an offer featured or something there. Like yeah, that. Sure. yeah, right. Absolutely. So anyway, which there is, one point nine percent financing for thirty months, <laughs> <laughs> right. which is true actually. Is that right? With yeah, Infinity, with Infinity. Yeah, yes, exactly. Well, you already do your disclaimer now. Uh, with approved credit. With approved credit. Yes, exactly. There you go. Exactly. So, chances of you getting that one point nine? Maybe yes, maybe no. Well, has your bankruptcy been? Uh, handled you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, customer loyalty, good thing, huh? People who like products, they stay with it for a long time. Right. Uh, how about Coke uh, doing a customer loyalty program? Uh, airline miles, Marlboro miles, which I really, it really infuriates me to see those that apparel and uh, and yeah. the stuff that Marlboro does. It's yeah. like, see, I've said it again. Better not say that again. Uh, Coke miles, specifically My Coke Rewards points. Great idea, huh? Uh, Coca-Cola this past week unleashed a multi-year loyalty program where consumers can collect f- points redeemable for $50 million worth of prizes, including dentures. Because you if won't you drink that so. much yes, Coke, you're gonna, <laughs> unless you have clean battery cables, I don't know. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so that's a, a Coke loyalty program. I hope, it, I hope it's good for diet Coke. Can you fly with those miles? Yeah, but you you need the extra seat. Uh, You're the guy drinking all of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not making fun of Coke. It's a good product. It is a good product. There you go. More to come with Robert Greenwald next hour on the Advertising Show for a couple of segments and a whole bunch more as well, too. Uh, Joe Jeffy uh, coming up and uh, all that kind of good stuff, too. The Advertising Show brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. You can visit online at age.com. This is a Big Radio Midgets production. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And it is hour number two of The Advertising Show. Welcome back. Uh, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production, and we continue our conversation this hour with Robert Greenwald, a producer, director, and political activist. Bob is a director-producer of a film uh, called Walmart, The High Cost of Low Price. Hope you were with us last hour. You'll hear more from Bob this hour on the Advertising Show. And a lot more to come as well. We've got uh, Joe Jaffe here in just a few moments. Uh, Jeffrey Gittimer is with us this hour. And... uh, this is something that people do, Brad, all the time. They don't talk to the real decision maker. Mm-hmm. You know, they do their whole pitch, and then they go through the whole game, and the guy says, well, i got to talk to my, <laughs> yeah. my like, oh, come on. Yeah. So finding out, uh, Jeff, will, uh, Jeff will help you find out uh, that as well. Andy Borowitz, Anna Nicole Smith was in the news this past week, mm-hmm. and we have a special feature from, uh, from uh, Andy Borowitz as well. So a lot of stuff this hour. Oh, Anna Nicole, she's looking good, isn't she? She really is, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's very nice. Right. Very but, nice. But underneath that, you can't get out of your mind the Anna Nicole... Of the TV show. Reality show, yeah. Because exactly. you, you know that didn't change. The outside may have changed. Uh, right. But exactly. she's still the same, I'm sure, person we saw on uh, 
on that. Right. It was an awfully funny show, too. Yeah, it was. It's actually, you know, Ray. This, uh, this I've been holding on to this. I was hoping to report on this last week. Uh, anyone using Google's uh, search engine may have noticed a new icon appearing beside some of the ads on the Google website, and it's a little telephone handset. And I think this is just an outstanding idea. And uh, Sweet. yeah, it's a it's a handset which is a part of a click to call test that Google has been running since late last year. Web surfers. Uh, Want to t- if they want to talk to, with a participating advertiser, they can type the phone number in a designated space that Google has for them, and they'll connect them them the con- consumer up with the advertiser for a free call. Right. And Google gets the uh, consumer and the merchant talking by causing both their phones to ring hmm. at the same time, not through the internet, but their right. phone. So they type their phone in, then they call. It's expected uh, that Google will charge advertisers for the number of calls they receive, just uh, as it charges them for clicks on ads uh, to take hmm. consumers to websites. So it's just a fantastic idea. Wow. Yeah. All new stuff, huh? Well, I mean, it's all about not only connecting on the web, but now connecting on the web with the phone. With the telephone, yeah. it's yeah, a great idea. See, we should never be surprised, should we, about what uh, what's coming our way. Exactly. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. Let's, uh, as I said, we've got Bob Greenwald back with us this hour. Let's uh, right now check in with Joe Jaffe. Now, Joe has been doing for the past couple of weeks, and this is week number two, or part number two, of uh, Super Bowl XL, okay? <laughs> and uh, there's been a lot of conversation about the commercials, whether, you know, whether they're great or not so great. Uh, and uh, Joe has uh, his take on it, part number two here on the Advertising Show. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective. Featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe. Welcome back to Super Bowl XL as an extra large part two. Last week I discussed whether the investment was worth it from a monetary or even a media standpoint. Today I'm going to talk about ideas and creativity. Unfortunately, I look back at this year's crop, this year's class of ads, as another missed opportunity. In many respects, it's almost as if we regressed by as much as five years in terms of applying the thinking, the new marketing thinking to this investment in order to be able to amplify the investment, extend the investment, and ultimately enhance the investment. I was overwhelmingly surprised by the lack of integration this year. There were so many actually incredible websites, but you would never have known it. You would never have known it, number one, because the websites actually looked nothing like the ads themselves. Where URLs were used, for example, Diet Pepsi used the URL brownandbubbly.com. There was absolutely no effort invested in telling consumers why they needed to go to that website and what they could find at that website. And even more shocking was the number of spots that actually did not even carry a URL. ESPN Mobile, Sprint, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, AmeriQuest. I could go on. One step forward and ten steps backwards. Perhaps we'll do better next year. Perhaps not. This has been A Different Perspective. Featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. Well, that certainly was a different perspective, wasn't it, from Joe on the advertising show, Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth. Are we done talking about the Super Bowl now? Hopefully. Okay, good. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, let's talk about next year's Super Bowl, Brad. That'll mm-hmm. be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, we've got uh, Bob Greenwald coming back here momentarily uh, with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and a lot more this hour. As well, go to the website, theadvertisingshow.com. Great destination if you want to find uh, out about what's happening in advertising and marketing. Also an opportunity to uh, do the RSS feeds and the podcast. Uh, thanks to our good friends at Shipple, shipple.com. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. And uh, Ed Shipple is up to, uh, he's constantly looking for new stuff. Uh-huh. And we just got this uh, latest thing called Podzinger. Uh-huh. That's something odd and something new. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> yeah. as well. But uh, no, check it out. Uh, there called the web marketing company hey there's a television commercial that abc doesn't want imagine that turning mm. down cash sex uh, or violence no it's a it's a, a kfc's new television commercial that allows viewers to slowly replay the ad mm. to find oh, yeah. a secret message it has been rejected mm-hmm. by abc because of the network's long-standing policy against subliminal advertising interesting mm-hmm. huh well i thought it was a good idea Personally, you thought it was a good idea to turn it down, or no? no? I thought it was a good idea to create some publicity and maybe get people who use TiVo-like devices to play that game and roll it back and be slow about it. It wasn't trying to, you know, I think ABC is off in that it's not a subliminal message. It was a way to try to get people to slow. Uh, slow uh, run the commercial to be able to get the message and respond to a sweepstakes or whatever. Well, it says ABC declined to say anything more about its decision, but KFC disagreed the ad is subliminal, unlike secretly placed words or images designed to play in the subconscious, which that can happen. The chicken chain, <laughs> the chicken chain, something <laughs> interesting way to put it, says it's been publicizing that the ad contains a message telling viewers how to find it. So mm-hmm. that's not subliminal. No. That's a game. Right. Like, hello. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I guess they didn't need the cash, so that's the way it goes. I heard that uh, ABC came out and publicly said, uh, we have no comment. Come on, FC, KFC, help help us out here. We have no comment. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, trying to get the business back. Well, now, this is interesting. I don't know whether you recall this, and I don't. Uh, FCC in the year 2000, following complaints about an ad with a subliminal message Mm -hmm. about then-presidential candidate Al Gore (laughs) (laughs) that discourages subliminal advertising but has no formal rules against it. Hmm. I didn't know that that message was out there. I didn't either, no. Wow. But whatever it was, it must have worked. (laughs) Did not vote for me. Was it in the Al Gore message? They they don't say here in the Hmm. article. Hmm. And this is an MSNBC article, by the way. That's interesting. So they... They certainly uh, put it up on the web there for ABC rejecting cash flow. I wonder if anybody accepted that spot. Oh, yeah. It's, it's airing on the other networks. Oh, it is. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, interesting. Uh, stay with us. Hope you will. Lots more to come this hour on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth and our special guest this hour, Robert Greenwald. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Look what the guys on the team gave me. King of the beer frame. Well, I may not be the best at picking spares, but when it comes to picking beers, I'll pick a kingpin every time. 
Budweiser is the king of beers. I'm thinking good old Ed is not drinking Budweiser anymore. It's probably a fine single malt scotch or something like <laughs> yeah. that, right? Robert Greenwald, as promised, back with us this hour on The Advertising Show, a producer, director, and political activist. Greenwald is the uh, producer and uh, director of the Walmart, the high cost of low price. Uh, check it out at bravenewfilms.org at Walmart. Uh, TV movie, or uh, excuse me, walmartmovie.com, that's what it is. Yeah. Robert, welcome back to the advertising show. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Pleasure to be with you. Yeah, I recall uh, before Walmart became the giant they are today, many years ago, uh, before Sam got sick and when he was still at the helm, you know, he was always about uh, promoting the fact that the, he, he stocked American-made products and so forth. And then I recalled hearing that... Uh, uh, that wasn't quite true. I, I'm curious. Uh, has has it has Walmart changed appreciably since uh, Sam is no longer running the company? Well, in in working on the Walmart movie, we interviewed hundreds hundreds of people, and most of them felt that it had changed. Most of them felt that when the suits took over, that when it became a public corporation, when it became committed just to expanding, no matter what the cost that the company really went through a uh, major character change or heart transplant where they went from having the heart to where they now took it out and have none. So I wasn't around there, but certainly many of the people we talked to had very strong feelings, and you even see it in the Walmart movie. The, you know, People talk about that, and, and, and their passion is very strong. So if someone were to suggest that Walmart is simply doing what capitalism does best, offering uh, a wide range of goods and services to consumers at rock-bottom prices, and obviously they want to, uh, uh, they want this or they wouldn't be coming in numbers to purchase, uh, how, are you suggesting that it's not just you know the, the model itself and how they sell products and services, but it's more the underbelly, as you might say? Well, no, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, first of all, let's remember one thing. Walmart, like many large corporations, are committed to taking all rules and restrictions off. Now, everybody believes there should be a cop on the beat, there should be laws, there should be rules, except for corporations. They are hell-bent on removing whatever few lousy restrictions on them. And capitalism has always been most successful with restrictions so that the playing field is kept fair. Walmart has a playing field, whether you call it a monopoly, as many do, or you just cite the number of hundreds of millions of dollars in lawsuits for breaking the law, the crime waves that they between forced overtime and the crime in the parking lot. I mean, any of these things, you can look at them and say, no, this is not capitalism. This is not fairness. Everyone's allowed and should make a buck, but this corporation has gone way over the line. You know, hearing you talk like that, and we have hundreds of thousands of listeners listening worldwide through the advertisingshow.com, I'm very surprised, Ray, that they're not keeping his DVD in Walmart as we open the show. That's just amazing. <laughs> you know, uh, the New York Times reported really? uh, recently that Walmart's uh, sales growth is uh, down in individual stores, as you mentioned earlier. Robert, I, I'm curious, weigh in on this. Do you think it's, uh, is Target making inroads to their consumers? Is, is their advertising failing? What, what do you think's going on here? Well, I think their sales are down in the stores because they're not carrying the Walmart movie. It's very clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's you gave me that product. opening. That was product placement. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not 
again, I'm not an expert in terms of the other stores, but I think the thing that's eminently clear, you just look around, how many Walmarts can you have in an area? Now, as I understand it, the stock price is largely built on expansion of stores, so they have to keep expansioning. But we've been in communities where they have two, three, four Walmarts in a few miles of each other. Mm. It's nuts. And then the terrible thing is they go in, they build all those stores, and after a period of time, and I'm sad to say I think this is by design, the competition is driven out, and then they close a Walmart, mm. or they'll close mm-hmm. a second Walmart. Yeah. We have this thing in the film where you see hundreds of thousands of square feet of empty Walmarts across the United States of America. And if you go, again, to walmartmovie.com, we have a whole little thing on the website about that. Well, it's certainly very logical. That's very smart and tactics to do something like that, isn't so, it? Yeah, so it sounds yeah. like it's a it's a tactical strategy that they try to run other companies out of business. And one of your uh, one of your people that you interview, uh, and I'm sorry, I can't recall the person, but obviously an empl- a former employee, or I would assume a former employee, speaks openly about how uh, they would drive through a community and point out uh, mm-hmm. th- this particular retailer. I'll give them six months. I'll give these guys a year. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that, Robert. Well, we got three managers who talk in the movie. We had, you know, workers, and then we had managers who ran stores. And between them, by the way, they'd been with Walmart almost 50, 55 years. So we're not talking about fly-by-night guys. This one person, Weldon Nicholson, had never talked before. And he, on camera, and he tells these stories exactly that, that he'd be in a car with other Walmart guys. They'd be going down a street, little community that they were going to come and build to, and they'd point out all the stores that were going to be driven out of business. Now, Weldon had a real crisis of conscience. And in the film, and I find it very moving when he talks about his what he went through. And again, what we did, we put on the walmartmovie.com website like 18 minutes just with Weldon so people could really get the experience of how strongly he felt that this was against his uh, religious values, his personal values, and, and what he believes corporations should be doing. I got to tell you, if you're interested in seeing the truly in, inner workings of a large company such as uh, Walmart, it's a, it's a great film, and I highly recommend it. And as Robert says, usually when a guest plugs the th- same thing we're plugging, it cancels right. it out. Yeah. But I'm going to go ahead and give Robert another plug: WalmartMovie.com. Uh, let's go back to talking a little bit about advertising campaigns and Walmart in particular. You know, Walmart—it's no surprise anybody that watches TV realizes that they've relied on uh, price slashing and smiley face as part of their advertising. They also use employees uh, in TV spots to pitch their latest featured uh, sales items. Do you think Walmart, Robert, can make a successful transition to a more sophisticated ad campaign in hopes of garnering a more sophisticated and higher income consumer? Well, they can make a transition to a more sophisticated ad campaign because they'll just buy ads that say that. But I don't think there's any way on this earth that they're going to make a, a transition to those consumers. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense to me, and I'm not an advertising maven. I'm sure many of the people I'm listening to your show are, but they've spent how many millions building up a very specific image of one kind, right? right. Lowest dollar, cheap junk, you know, whatever you call it. They spent a lot of money to do that. How can you suddenly pivot and change that? I mean, you, you can't. And so I see that as some kind of panic response to what's going on in the marketplace for them, and uh, I don't see any way that they're going to be able to do both. Needless to say, we don't uh, believe that uh, Robert shops at Walmart. I would uh, 
say that. He's Costco. He's a Costco. He's a Costco. Yeah, 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 Costco. I'm a neighborhood store guy, but I'm from New York. So. Okay, gotcha. We've got uh, Robert Greenwald, producer and director and political activist, uh, director and producer of Walmart, The High Cost of Low Price. And uh, another segment coming your way here on The Advertising Show. Jeffrey Gittimer, special guest, uh, weekly here at The Advertising Show. We'll be talking about the real decision maker. Who are they? That's the people you got to go after. And we'll do that next with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Picture this. The prospect has just told you, I only need one more approval and the order is yours. Oh, for joy, for joy, the order's mine. Eh, 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 eh. Don't be celebrating too soon. The last person needed to approve is the real decision maker, the boss, the guy you were supposed to be talking to in the first place, the one person who can say no to you, and there's no possibility of reversing it. Uh-oh. Throw a little bit of cold water on yourself there, pal. This sale hangs by a thread, and what are you doing about it? Going home and bragging, oh, I just uh, it's in the bag. Or, or are you saying, I hope I get it, I hope I get it. Hey, neither one's going to work there, Sparky. The words, I only need one more approval and the order is yours, has to trigger a response that says to the prospect, great, when do we all meet? You see, you better get the prospect to agree to let you attend that final decision-making meeting. Because if you're not present when the last decision is made, the odds are you will lose the final battle of the sales war without being able to fire a single bullet. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer, reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. I dread to think what became of her. That haunting, exquisite creature. A note of music. Safe. A thoughtless word from any one of us. A disturbance of the air could start an earthquake in her. No one could protect her. Dearest from the passion she inspired. How could so much love? You know, you want to hear that whole spot, but we don't do that, so that's fine. It's a classic spot on the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. For one more segment, we've got uh, Robert Greenwald, uh, Walmart, the high cost of low price. There's more on the website. It's uh, bravenewfilms.org and walmartmovie.com if you want to check that out as well. Uh, Robert, welcome back. 
Thank you. Yeah, and before we get back in the interview, I got a uh, have a I got a little admission to make here, Ray. Yes. Uh, about 25 years ago, uh, me and some of my buddies decided to go to a Walmart, and you know how they've got the uh, friendly senior citizen greeter. Yeah, what'd you do to him? Well, we keep walking in and out to see how long it would take him to recognize that we're the same couple guys coming through there. How cruel. Well, usually the average is about ten times. Is it really? Yeah. And then what I also ask him to do, if I can, and they usually let me do it, I say, can I stand on that little uh, foam padded thing that Mm -hmm. you stand on? Uh, Why do you do that? Oh, it's so much more comfortable. Anyway, that's something to look forward to. I like like the greeters who greet you going out and want to see your sales receipt in case you ripped off a a piece of candy. It it reminds you of the quality of people you're shopping with when you do that. Uh, Usually a cavity check is in line if you go to the back door. Uh, That's something to keep in mind. We don't do that. Uh, Walmart... uh, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we, we opened the show last hour talking about Pam Talbot, U.S. Uh, CEO of Edelman uh, Public Relations and a former guest here on the show. Edelman, uh, Robert, you may not realize, worked with Walmart. In their... Oh, I, there was a the big front page New York story about it. Well, there you go. You're, you're, I, you're connected. Um, well, and they ran, I th- you know, they should give Walmart the money back for the campaign they ran against me in the movie, frankly. Well, if you get uh, a PR firm to give the money back, you call us <laughs> because that's going to be a scoop of some sort. Uh, so Edelman, anyway, worked on the uh, Walmart uh, uh, campaign and also uh, was involved in their rapid response uh, public relations team. Have you heard about their uh, Walmart's war room? Oh, uh, yes. T- tell our uh, listeners a little bit about the war room and what that's all about. Well, I, I wish it was television because I've got such a big smile on my face. Um, what Walmart did, they hired Edelman to, to attack me, the film, and the campaign around the film and around Walmart. They set up a war room in Bentonville, but they hired really bad political hacks, as far as I can tell. Now, let me tell you why. The first thing they do, and they spend goodness knows how much money they could have gone into health care for employees, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of bucks. What is the first thing they do when they hear about the film coming out? This is true. Now, they put out a 10 or 12-page fancy brochure with people who've done all kinds of research. They've gone back over 20 years, and they've pulled every bad review I've ever gotten. Hmm. Now, the fact that I did a television movie in 1980 and somebody thought I had no talent whatsoever... What on earth does that have to do with the Walmart movie? Hmm. Nothing. But then somebody explained it to me. This is what political hacks do. They try to smear the opposition candidate. But that's a big mistake because Walmart is in business to sell to all these people. So first of all, they're wasting money attacking my bad reviews. You know, all it did was send me back into therapy because my self-image was shattered. Okay. Well, I was going to say, what did it take them? Five minutes to get those bad reviews together? (laughs) And they and they missed the half of them. You know, probably another twenty pages. (laughs) Yeah, we we had some other names they could have called that would have been a lot better. But uh, well, let's let's give you a plan. Platform to respond to, to something here, uh, something uh, that they did, the online Walmart video, which I know you're well aware of. <laughs> yes. uh, they, they targeted you and combat, suggesting that uh, you made three errors within three minutes of your film. Right. Uh, also read on the national.com uh, that within 24 hours of Walmart's releasing their three and out video, uh, your team had a reaction. Talk a little bit about this, Robert. <laughs> yeah, again, this is why Edelman should give their money back. They put a very fancy video together using the trailer from my movie, right? Because they didn't have the film at that point. Mm. Again, who knows how much money they spent. They had images, they had graphics, and they were basically saying that, you know, I should rot in hell and that the movie was worthless. Well, we kept their images and their graphics because we don't have their budget. 
but it was all done with voiceover. We pulled their voiceover announcer off and replaced it with our analysis. Same graphics. Now the person is saying, this is a wonderful film. We encourage you to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> and we posted it back on our website. Mm. <laughs> Thanks to them for subsidizing it. That's, that's funny. That's hysterical. <laughs> that is. And, you know, uh, again, I, I want to emphasize this. Edelman gives back the money. Give us a call. Okay, you get yeah. a percentage. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll just be happy to announce it here on the show. Uh, you know, so I'm curious, Robert, what does your war room look like? Um, my war room is, you know, my dirty sneakers, my socks, uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in the corner of, uh, the, of my office, uh, yeah. where, I, where I go to uh, make phone calls. Yeah, like, like today. Right. Uh, you know, and by the way, here on the show, we, we always tell our guests uh, during our pre-interview, which we didn't have a chance to have with Robert, uh, but that's okay. We don't need that. Uh, we try to accomplish three things on the show. We try to have fun. We try to be informative, and we try to have fun. So I hope you had fun today, Robert. I know we did. Absolutely. And we've got less than uh, 30 seconds left. Any farewells to our Walmart shoppers out there? Uh, I just encourage them to, you know, make their own decisions and to take a look at the film, to take a look at the websites, to take a look at the campaign around the world, and then to decide what they want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, God bless Sam. He did. A, he tried hard. He yep. had a good idea. And I think sure maybe did. some people after they came after him. Uh, he screwed up. He died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that's true. <laughs> we'll try not to do that. Die that. Yeah, yeah, don't true. do that. Uh, okay. by, by the way, go to uh, bravenewfilms.org to check out uh, not only that, but uh, Outfoxed, Rupert Murdoch's War on Journalism, and a bunch more, too, as well. Or you can go to Walmart Movie. Dot com. Robert, it's been great having you on the show today. We appreciate that. I really enjoyed doing it. Thank you very much. Thank you. And okay. uh, we'll be back with more with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth in just a minute. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Susie Chapstick has changed her name. Call me Susie Chapstick. Hey, Susie Chapstick. This is real Chapstick weather, so Chapstick is the only you name You can for call me, me Susie, or you can call me Ray or Jay or whatever, huh? That's a great... Uh, Great spot, classic spot, and timely, too, with the Olympics just done. Yeah. I see the, you're not wearing your bodysuit this week. Nope, nope. Let's hit the cleaners. Yeah. We're yeah. getting ready for, uh, what, four years from now, I guess. You remember that spot that you just played, the uh, Susie Chaffee, Chapstick Chaffee? Right. Uh, she had a little uh, tight uh, bodysuit going. She would ski up. I can see that spot like it was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, she would ski up, and, you know, like people do when they ski. I'm not a skier. If I ski, a boat's pulling me, I like to say. But uh, <laughs> when they ski and they do that little sidestep where the snow right, kind right. of flies, out. flies yeah. out. Yeah. So Susie does that little fly into the uh, to the uh, to the scene, to the screen. It shot. was a blue and white, mostly white with blue trim ski suit. Well, you just shut your eyes when you came up with that. Mm-hmm. I won't tell people where your hand was. No, they were both above the uh, console. <laughs> that was awful good. Were. But, uh, yeah, she was. Uh, she did a great job with that. And I think yeah. uh, it was one of the early uh, early uh, people that came out of the Olympics that actually uh, – one of the early endorsers coming mm-hmm. from the Olympics. And what's interesting, we we're talking about the Olympics. You brought that up. I guess old uh, Bodie. 
he did not do well. He didn't no, place. No, he didn't do well at all. Well, he didn't place, but he was. The, he, I was projecting that he was going to be the poster child for endorsements, and they were going to clamor all around this guy. Uh, and of course, you got to win mm-hmm. for that to happen. Well, what did I say? Well, you said you didn't think so, but the, but the, you didn't think that he would. And of course, by not winning, it becomes a non-issue at that point yeah. because nobody's going to. You know, he's already got Nike money and other money. Mm-hmm. But uh, gosh, that'll go away. Well. He's probably got a contract, but it, uh, renewal time, time, it won't be, yeah. Yeah, it'll be a tough sale. Yeah. sell. So, anyway. Yep, Bodie uh, for uh, Budweiser, something like that. Yeah. Right? It really didn't get a fair shake, but yeah. that's okay. How about the, uh, the uh, uh, what's that, uh, the, the uh, s- snowboarding mm-hmm. where the girl had first place, and she's coming down the home stretch and does the little kick out, I'm going to be cocky on this last mm-hmm. hill. And falls and ends up with a with a silver. <laughs> I mean, there's two lessons there. Bodhi, the Bodhi lesson for the right. kids is is don't go out and get all Very screwy and drunk the night before because you can't win the downhill. Yeah. And then the other lesson for the kids is uh, if you're about to win, <laughs> don't get <laughs> don't, cocky. Don't get cute. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, stay with the plan. Yeah. A couple of good life lessons for those folks. Yeah. Hope they stick. Six Flags. That's a that's a big deal uh, in terms of um, well, they're having some problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, just recently closed the Six Flags Astro World mm-hmm. Park. Right. Uh, they've also contracted with Mindshare, uh, contracted Mindshare that is to handle their national media buying business following the review. Uh, Donor used to have them out of Southfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're based up there, aren't they? Based in Michigan? Yeah, it, it, yeah. Southfield is a Detroit suburb. Uh, the Oklahoma City-based client spent $75 million in measured media last year. Uh, that's that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. In a review two years ago, Donor overcame independent incumbent Ackerman McQueen in Oklahoma City. And uh, also uh, an Interrepublic, uh, Interrepublic uh, Group's uh, Deutsche LA in Marina del Rey. Hmm. Uh, so that's interesting. And, and also Donor, this Mr. Six guy, the, the dancing guy, yeah. uh, they did launch the first national campaign uh, featuring Mr. Six. So I wonder what will happen to Mr. Six as they look into what they're doing now. I'm wondering, you know, that might be a good example of uh, of operational issues and the advertising campaign not being able to overcome the operational issues with regard to the client. I mean, we mm-hmm. had, uh, you know, it wasn't so long ago that McDonald's was struggling, and they come to find out that it was the operations issues with McDonald's, uh, quality and not only quality issues. but Retention to detail and such. Yes. Exactly, but then there was also the introduction of the salads and so forth that helped them along as well, even though some could argue it was a move off of their core core product yeah. uh, or products but uh, they you know the advertising can only do so much and if if your if your operations are uh, needing a little fixing then maybe you need to fix that first before, before you, you advertise yeah, yeah or well, at least before you go out and pick a new agency because you know I remember that camp- campaign I thought it was well done oh yeah it was the skinny actually he was not an old man but he was dressed up as one the young guy that did that dancing. Oh, it's a great campaign. It's yeah. really great. And speaking of McDonald's, uh, there. This is according to the Chicago Sun Times. Louis Lazar. He's an angry man. Mm-hmm. Very angry. And more more angry than Bob Garfield. Garfield yes. yes. <laughs> uh, rendezvous with Ronald commercials. Uh, Chai Day featuring kids interacting with a plastic Ronald McDonald. Uh, not only failed to deliver. 
a good message, but uh, their 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 concept mimics the uh, Crispin Porter Bogusky Miami icon, uh, the, the Burger King one. Yeah. So they're saying they ripped them off. Hmm. That Burger King guy, Ronald is a nice guy. Burger King guy scares me. The king, the king, the plastic yeah. king. It's like, right. whoa, look at that. I liked uh, it when he jumped up into the uh, into the seats for that Super Bowl spot. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, it was. As was. We've got uh, more Andy Borowitz on the way here too. We'll tell you who's going to be on next week as well. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. Nobody can call George Whipple an old fuddy-duddy. This new sign is right up with the times. Maybe this will stop the ladies from squeezing Charmin bathroom tissue. Please don't squeeze the Charmin, indeed. As if that could make me resist Charmin's cushiony thoughts. Advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And uh, one final segment here as we wrap up uh, another great weekend. And uh, our thanks again to Robert Greenwald, uh, film producer and director of Walmart, the high cost of low price. Got uh, Ben Whistler on the way. Next week, he is the founder of Ovation in Store. That's Ovation in Store. So we'll find out what that's all about next week when we uh, join up with uh, with Ben. Gentle Ben, they call yeah, him. Yeah, and if you want to pick up uh, pick up uh, this hour's guest, uh, Robert Greenwald's uh, uh, Walmart, uh, that would uh, the high cost of low price, that would be what? Walmart.com? No, it's WalmartMovie.com. Oh, no, it won't. I see what you're no, saying. It Grr, or no, whatever. it wouldn't. Oh, by the way, it's not Ben. It's Benjamin. Benjamin Wessler. Oh, it is? Yeah. Yeah, I talked to him earlier. He said he wanted to be called Benny. Benny? Like Benny Hill? Mm, Benny the Weshman. <laughs> Howard Stern getting sued by Sirius? Yeah. You know about that? Well, 500 million bucks? I got to tell you, you know, I think they're creating some problems for Howard. And you and I said many, many months ago, this guy promoted a, a year and a few months before he was to, yeah, to make that like transition. A, uh, yeah, that uh, he was using the airwaves of uh, Infinity, now known as CBS Radio, uh, to promote his transition to sure. the satellite. Right. And I mean, you and I both commented we were surprised that they let them, let him do that. And I guess they get the last laugh because if they don't even get the $500 million, yeah. uh, they're going to create some grief for the guy. And uh, Sure, they are. You know, it's going to cost him a few bucks. It's going to cost him some money. It's going to cost him some legal fees. It's going to cost him some grief. And, and, and uh, CBS, well, they got lawyers on staff. What do they, what do they care Oh, I'm sure they're real happy about this whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But Howard is like, come on, man. Yeah. You know, and and they said uh, Howard's response to that was... Um, quit picking on me. Quit picking on And uh, the reason they, they didn't do anything, uh, Moonves apparently said, I'll sue you later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sue you later. Well, there's no Have rule on that. You know, you can sue them whenever you want, I suppose. That's true. But, Absolutely yeah. true. Okay. Uh, we're looking at, uh, what is this? Uh, ah, Anna. Is that right? Yeah. Anna Nicole Smith in court this past week. And, of course, Andy Borowitz can't keep his hands off of that, if you know what I'm saying. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. As Anna Nicole Smith brought her claim for the fortune of her late husband, Texas billionaire J. Howard Marshall, to the United States Supreme Court, a broad-based coalition of gold diggers and gigolos marched on Washington to show their support for the former Playboy Playmate. The National Association of Gold Diggers and Gigolos, an organization that boasts a membership of over 50,000, organized a rally to demonstrate their solidarity with one of their most celebrated peers. 
Ms. Smith's quest for her fair share of Mr. Marshall's billions might not seem like a popular cause, but to the hundreds of gold diggers and gigolos who appeared on the steps of the nation's highest court, it's a matter of survival. Crystal Klugian, a former stripper who now works as a full-time gold digger, says that the Smith case could very well determine whether gold digging is a viable occupation in the United States of America. To the outside world, being a gold digger may seem like easy money, Ms. Klugian said. I can tell you, as someone who has gone on vacations with wealthy boyfriends and laughed at their jokes, this is hard work. Davis Lodgson, a former exotic dancer who has worked as a gigolo for the past 10 years, echoed Ms. Klugian's sentiments that the United States Supreme Court does not stand up for the rights of American gigolos. We may see our jobs continue to be outsourced to France. Elsewhere in the aftermath of the Dick Cheney hunting accident and the Dubai ports deal, the White House announced this past week a one-day moratorium on doing anything idiotic. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying... Keep it fake, baby. And Andy just can't leave that uh, Dick Cheney thing alone. <laughs> He's got to have the little last uh, last laugh. Yeah. Arg, arg, arg. <laughs> Haven't heard anything more about the guy that got shot either. I hope he's doing well. What's his name? I don't know. He's a lawyer? I don't know. And they say that he was I trying to pull... I think his name was Lucky. <laughs> I can't remember. It's a pretty common name. But they say that uh, the reason why Cheney uh, shot at him is because he thought he was trying to pull a gay cowboy move on him. <laughs> Is that true? No, that's, oh, that's Letterman. Okay. I can't take uh, yeah. one of Letterman's top ten excuses right. for Cheney's uh, firing, shooting. You'll get a kick out of this. This is from Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, and it says, What Fido owners, what Fido's owner wants, Fido gets. It's pet boarding industry. Pampering mm. pays mm. big. So if you're out there looking for a, a, a niche market, uh, well, how about that? Um, this is, uh, the lady says, Sonia DeFazio, do you want me to read a story to you? Uh, Kennel employee sits cross-legged on the floor with a Clifford the Big Red Dog book on her lap and reads to the thing, uh, to the dogs. Um, the, the bedtime tale at Best Friends Pet Care caps a busy day for Max, who's a seven-year-old West Highland White Terrier, and Leo, a two-year-old Pomeranian. During their two-day stay, they've already had fitness sessions, walks, playtime, ice cream breaks, sweet treats, and bottled water. Well, how long before you set the video up where you find out that they're not reading the book, they're not taking care of the dog, they're actually putting him in a pen, but they only do that while the owner is there, and then they leave, and they treat him like everybody else. That'll be on uh, 60 some, minutes. 60 minutes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, 57 bucks a day for the services, 78 for boarding. 56-square-foot 56 boathouse row suite, uh, uh, which has a low-lying bed decorated with oars, sailboat wallpaper, a frame poster of the Philadelphia landmark for which the room was named. Pets typically stay four to five days. Well, you and I have a trip back in Philly here in a couple of weeks, and if you don't mind wearing this dog collar, <laughs> I've got a great room for you. I think it's cheaper to stay at motels. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be more comfortable, too, so that's kind of cool. Robert Greenwald, thanks for being on the show today. Uh, check out the uh, the video. It's interesting to say the least, as is Robert. Yeah. And uh, Ben Wessler is our guest next week on the Advertising Show, the founder of Ovation in Store. And we'll find out what that's all about, too. Hope you'll be a part of that. Don't forget to go to theadvertisingshow.com. 
That's the place where you can actually uh, hear this particular show and many more as a podcast or RSS feed, theadvertisingshow.com. Thanks to our good friends at Shipple.com, the web marketing company. So it's been fun, and we hope to see you uh, next week here uh, with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. Sounds like uh, sounds like we're just letting the music play here. Oh, yeah. I probably ought to say the advertising show is being brought to you by yeah. Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. We encourage you to do that and tell them Ray and Brad sent you, right? Yeah. The advertising show is a big radio midgets production.